And this morning I've entitled the message, The Gospel Explained. Uh, please turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll read the whole chapter, 10 verses at this stage. <clears throat> Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And we know that God will add a blessing to the reading of his uninspired word. Folks, I'll begin this message by giving you a little bit of background in relation to what we're going to say. But this epistle to the Thessalonians was written by Paul the Apostle around about 50 to 54 A.D. The Lord had been crucified some 20 years earlier or so, in around about 33 A.D. Now, please don't be getting mixed up with these dates. It's amazing how many people think that A.D. stands for after death, but that is not so. A.D. stands for in the year of our Lord, which is taken from his birth. And it comes from the Latin term, Anno Domine. So the Lord was crucified in A.D. 33. This epistle was written in A.D. 50 to 54. The Apostle Paul came on the scene at the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 58. Then Paul, when he was on his way to slaughter Christians, was converted on his way to Damascus, Acts chapter 9 and verse 6. And later he went on to Arabia and several other cities. Then he set off in his first missionary journey, Acts chapter 13, 
1 to 5. After that, he set off on his second missionary journey, Acts chapter 15, verse 41. And in Acts chapter 17 and verse 4, he started the church in Thessalonica. And it would have been around about 48, 49 A.D. So I tell you all that so that you realize that this church was a very young church at the time of Paul writing to it. Uh, This epistle was written to correct some things which were going astray. There was teachings of false gospels and confusion about the Lord's coming. Now, after an extensive first missionary journey, Paul wanted to revisit the churches he had started. And he wanted to visit some new cities and towns as well with the gospel. His second missionary journey took around about two to three years to complete. It started off in Antioch, Acts chapter 15, verse 41. From there he went to Lystra, Troas, Philippi, Thessalonica, Acts chapter 17, Berea, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, Jerusalem, and back to Antioch. Paul was a very busy preacher of the gospel. This epistle was one of Paul's first letters, and it was urgent. It was needed. It was written to correct those things in the church that were not fully understood or going astray, as I have already mentioned before. But Paul starts off by commending them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7, he says that they were ensamples, or they were good examples, if you like. In verse 8, he says, they sounded out. And he says, your faith is known. And so they were great witnesses. They sounded out the word of God. They spoke to others of the things of God. They were great witnesses, and they had great faith. We would say today that they had a great testimony. They witnessed far. They witnessed far and near. Great faith. Great testimony. Great examples. And in this epistle, he reminds them over and over again about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, with the trials and testings and yes, uh, the confusion going on today, uh, we too need to be continually reminded about the things we've been taught over many years. And even though we might be great witnesses, and even though we might have a great testimony, and even though we might have great faith, we too, like these believers in Thessalonians, need to be continually reminded that the Lord is coming. He's coming again. And we need to be reminded that he's coming again very soon. His coming is imminent. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10, it says this, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And folks, it's here 
in this verse. Uh, we are promised that he, the one we wait for, will and has delivered us from the wrath to come. Let me say this, folks, dear brethren. The tribulation period is not for the church. It is not for the body of believers. It is not for his bride. It is not for us. See, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24 plainly says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people. That is 70 heptads. Seven times seven of years. Daniel's people, the Jewish nation, the children of God. 69 weeks are completed. And one week of years has still to come. And we call it the tribulation period. Jeremiah 30 verses 6 and 7 says this. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Jacob's trouble. Israel, not the church. So hopefully we've got that settled in our minds. And so once again, Paul is reminding them about the Lord's return and their deliverance from the wrath to come. Folks, this world uh, has endured many, many outbreaks and viruses. The Spanish flu, SARS, and now the coronavirus, just to name a few. And we need to pray for those who are sick and the bereaved. We also need to be very thankful, folks, for our, our Prime Minister, Mr. Scott Morrison. And his great team of workers, including the thousands of doctors, nurses, hospital staff, supermarket workers, drivers, policemen, and all those who work behind the scenes, who are all endeavouring to keep us all safe. But you know, one day there will come a day when God pours out his wrath upon this earth and no one will be able to help no one will be able to keep them safe and as I said it's called the tribulation period read all about it in Revelation 6 through 19 as I was writing this down I remembered that many years ago that young men used to stand at the street corners with a bundle of newspapers tucked underneath their arm. And they would call out, read all about it. Read all about it. Referring to the news that had already happened. Read all about it. World War II has ended. Read all about it. Elvis Presley is dead. Read all about it. Don Bradman has made another hundred. Read all about it. But God, who is so gracious and not willing that any should perish, has issued his news before it happens. And it's a warning to all. It's a warning to all that the 
great tribulation is coming. But it's not for the believer. It's not for the church. Because God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, has delivered us from the wrath to come. Read all about it in Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 19. Now Paul highlights in this short epistle, 1 Thessalonians, the Lord's coming five times. Chapter 1 verse 10, chapter 2 verse 19, chapter 3 verse 13, chapter 4 verse 17, chapter 5 verse 23. Five times Paul reminds them of the Lord's return. Number five in scripture stands for grace and God gracefully reminds each one of us that he is coming soon. Now all of what I have said thus far is by way of introduction to our main thought which is the gospel explained. The gospel explained. This morning I want to look at and pay particular attention to just one verse in 1 Thessalonians before we go on to some other chapters. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5 it says this, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. Paul says, for our gospel. Our gospel. He did not say, your gospel. He did not say my gospel, although in other places he did call it my gospel. But here in chapter 1 and verse 5, he makes it personal. Makes it personal to each and every one of us. It's our gospel. It's yours. And it's mine. Folks, what a privilege we have been given to be stewards of and custodians of God's holy word. And Paul makes sure that he explains that it was not just given in word, but it was given in power and in the Holy Ghost. Paul is saying it was given to us in the power of the Holy Ghost, and in a sense it belongs to us. It's ours. It belongs to us. Now, folks, it would be good to stop sometimes and contemplate on what God has given us. How do you feel about the gospel? Is it something you've just heard? Is it something you were, were used to, by, uh, listening to by going to church? Is it something that it was used to bring you to salvation? Or is it yours? Is it, is, it, is it something you really cherish because it belongs to you? I have many things at home that I cherish because they belong to me. But this is the greatest gift. Apart from the death of Christ on the cross, the Lord has given us his word and it's our gospel. It belongs to us and we ought to ask ourselves, do we cherish this gospel, because it belongs to us. Well, this morning and this evening, we're going to look at this. And hopefully we'll see that it's our gospel. And that it is precious. 
So first of all, let me explain. What, what is the gospel? Uh, what does gospel mean? Well, the gospel is the good news of God's grace and love towards man, brought about through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which we can be saved. Now, the short answer is, the gospel is the good news. Acts 16.31 Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Folks, that's good news. Romans 10.9 That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's good news. So then, what is our responsibility regarding this gospel, which is ours, which is the good news of God, which has been given to us. Well, I think uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15 makes that very clear what our responsibility is. It says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We will look at the aspect of peace this evening, but our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Folks, this literally means that wherever our feet take us, wherever we go, wherever we walk, we need to be prepared to share the gospel. Yes, it's ours, but there's one thing about it. We will never be impoverished by sharing it with others. If I had a wallet full of money and I started giving it away, I would become impoverished. But we have the gospel and it's ours, and by giving it away and by giving it to others, we will never be impoverished. It's still ours. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought to be prepared to share the gospel with others. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh your reason of the hope that lieth in you with meekness and fear. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh your reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Folks, after all, when everything is said and done, is not this the Great Commission? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world or the end of the age. It's our responsibility. Our responsibility to take the gospel. We need to be prepared to take the gospel wherever we go. Need to be prepared to answer every man who asks us of the hope that lies within us. So let's turn to several scriptures and unfold the meaning of the gospel as given by Paul and others. Please turn to Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, 
a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Here in this first verse of the book to the Romans, Paul, a servant, Paul, selected, Paul, separated, calls the gospel the gospel of God. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And Paul uses that terminology in other places. Philippians 1, verse 1. Titus 1, verse 1. Then it says, called to be an apostle, I put down, selected. If you go to Acts chapter 9, verse 15, you'll see that he was selected. He's a chosen vessel unto me. Separated unto the gospel of God. Folks, this gospel is called the gospel of God because God is the author of it. Way back in the garden, we have a great prophecy in Genesis 3, 14 and 15. It's a prophecy of the Lord on the cross, defeating the works of the devil. The devil has bruised humanity since the beginning of time. But his power has been crushed by the death of Christ on the cross. And after that time, he is limited and will be limited. But folks, let me say this, that the old devil, his time is short. And he will try anything to stop the child of God doing what he ought to be doing. And even though it is limited in his power, and even though he is shortened time, we're still exhorted in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 to be sober, to be vigilant, because our adversary, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That word devour means to literally rip into pieces. So in Romans 1, 1, says Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. <clears throat> Folks, it's the gospel of God because he is the author of it. It was God from eternity past that planned the working out of the gospel to bring about salvation. John 3.16, perhaps, one of the best known verses in the Bible says this. For God so loved the world. That is the peoples of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, the Lord did not die on that cross, a cruel death, the death of crucifixion, just for a select few. He died for the whosoever. In John chapter 3, it also tells us that uh, we must be born again. And in fact, there are four musts, M-U-S-T-S, four musts in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3 and verse 30, it says, He must increase, 
which is the sovereign's must. Then he says, I must decrease, which is the servant's must. Then, in verse 14, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's the Saviour's must. And the fourth one is found in verse 7. Ye must be born again, which is the sinner's must. We have the sovereign's must, the servant's must, the sinner's must, and the saviour's must. Ye must be born again. It's the gospel of God because he is the author of it. As I've said already, uh, this was planned in eternity past. And there are many prophecies relating to God sending his son to die for us in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You see, the child was born. The son always was. He was there from eternity past. But God sent his only begotten son. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And it's the gospel of God because he is the author of it. He planned it from the beginning. He put the plan into action. He brought the plan to completion. He sent his only begotten son to die. Planned in eternity prophesied in the Old Testament, perfected in the New Testament. And now, we can be saved. We can be saved through the gift that was given, the shed blood, the precious death and resurrection of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. It is the gospel of God because he is the author of it. Now please look down to verse 16 of Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> verse 16 of Romans chapter 1 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Here we read that Paul is calling the gospel the gospel of Christ. It's called the gospel of God because God is the author of it. It's called the gospel of Christ because Christ is the subject of it. Christ is the subject of it. And folks, we also notice in this verse that Paul <coughs> excuse me, was not ashamed of the gospel. Folks, there's power in the gospel. And this gospel is available to everyone that believeth. To everyone that believeth. Not just to some, because there's power in the gospel. Folks, we have no strength in ourselves. But there's power in the gospel. The gospel of Christ is the good news of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. He is central to the gospel, our Lord. The gospel is about him, Jesus Christ. Without him there would be no gospel. He is our Lord, Jesus 
Christ. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Folks, let me say this. No gospel, no power, no salvation. We would be of all men most miserable if our Lord Jesus Christ did not shed his blood on the cruel cross of Calvary. And if he did not shed his blood on Calvary, then we would have no good news to preach today. No gospel, no power, no salvation. Acts 16.31 again, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Repenting, believing, receiving. Receiving the good news of the gospel. Our next passage can be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Oh, it'd be lovely to expound every one of these verses in depth, but for the sake of time, we cannot do that. But I'm laying down the, uh, as it were, the, the bones, and you need to add the, the flesh and so forth to it. But in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, it says this, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Folks, here we have the glorious gospel of Christ. It's called the glorious gospel of Christ because Christ's glory is manifested. We're looking at the gospel. It's the gospel of God because God is the author of it. It's the gospel of Christ because Christ is the subject of it. It's the glorious gospel because Christ's glory is manifested. I've said in time past that a description of the word glory is the outshining of an inner excellence. It's the glorious gospel of Christ. Folks, as far as as far as our Lord is concerned, his whole life was glorious. I just want to read a list out. We haven't got time to go into every verse. I want to read a list out. In John chapter 17 and verse 5, we see that he was glorious in eternity past. And now, O Father, glorify thy me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He was glorious in eternity past. He was glorious in his birth. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace. Goodwill towards men. Luke chapter 2 verse 14. And in Luke 13 and verse 17. He was glorious in his life. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things. That were done by him. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 32, he was glorious in his transfiguration. And when they were awake, they saw his glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8, he is glorious in his death. 
which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Glorious in his death. In Philippians 3 and verse 21, he's glorious in his resurrection. Fashioned unto his glorious body. And in 1 Timothy 3 verse 16, his glorious in his ascension, received up into glory. And folks, he will be glorious in his return. Titus 2 verse 13 says this, looking for the blessed hope and glorious returning or glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He will be glorious in his return. Folks, he also imparted and showed his gloriousness to others. We've already read this verse. Luke 13, 17. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. They could see the blind, the blind sight restored. They could see the lame who was made to walk. They could see the dead that was raised to life. They could see all the glorious things that were done by him. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten, of the Father, full of grace and truth. The glorious gospel of Christ, because it manifests his glory. Now we look at our last point for this morning. We will finish with this. The gospel explained. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. In whom ye also trusted that after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Here we read of the gospel of of your salvation. The gospel of your salvation. Here the gospel is called the gospel of your salvation. We've looked at the gospel of God because he is the author of it. The gospel of Christ because he is the subject of it. The glorious gospel because it imparts and it shows and it manifests his glory. Here's called the gospel of your salvation because it conveys salvation to the sinner. Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, 15 says this. Now after that John was in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And folks, here we see that there needs to be a repentance. There needs to be a believing. 
which brings about our salvation. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15 says this, For in Christ I have begotten you through the gospel, literally brought into the family through the new birth. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14 says, Whereunto ye he called you by our gospel. It's the gospel of your salvation. Folks, this is God's grace in action. That you, we, that you and I, that, that we should be called by believing in the gospel. And by believing we're added to his family, sons of God and joint heirs with Christ. Mark 16 and verse 16 says this, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And the emphasis is on the believing. He that believeth not shall be damned. Folks, it's the gospel of your salvation. You're not damned before you were born. You're damned because you do not believe the gospel. Romans 10, 16 and 17. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as I said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, the gospel. Let me say this in closing, folks. If you're listening to this message, and the message is preached by Pastor Jacob, you are without excuse. You have heard the gospel, which can be the gospel of your salvation. If you only repent of your sin and acknowledge Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. Folks, no one else can do it for you. It doesn't matter if you've been brought up in a Christian family. It doesn't matter if you've been confirmed or sprinkled when you were young. You need to repent of your sin and acknowledge Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And then you will be saved. Praise God for his love in sending his Son to be our sin bearer and allowing us to have eternal life through believing the gospel. It's the gospel of God because God is the author of it. It's the gospel of Christ because Christ is the subject of it. It's the glorious gospel because Christ's glory is manifested. It's the gospel of your salvation because it conveys salvation to us all. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. This is the good news from heaven for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again we give thee thanks for the opportunity of coming to thy house this day. And we thank thee for those that would be listening in and perhaps there may be some listening in for the first time that may be unsaved, still outside of God's family. And I do pray, Lord, that as the gospel is presented each and every Sunday, we do pray, Lord, that men and women might be saved, that they might come to a realization that they need to repent of their sin and acknowledge Jesus Christ as Savior. Father, again, we give thee thanks for this morning. We do pray you bless your word to our hearts. In our Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen.